This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. Well, as I have said many times before, sports are the greatest reality show invented. And you can script everything but the outcome. And that is why this time of year is so much fun. On that note... Welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And tonight, we take a peek into some NFL minicamps, especially the Green Bay Packers, as they feature their own love fest, if you get my drift. Plus, now that the offseason is almost in the books, which NFL teams did the best to improve their lot? In the last five months, in about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by NBA insider Deshaun Tate. He also covered the Atlanta Hawks the last five years. He's going to help us analyze the NBA playoffs. And yes, it continues to look a lot different this season. After Bruin Finley's update, at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk about the very real possibility of an expanded college football playoff. When, how, and yes, even why. And of course, we close down the show with Mackinac Sports to stretch your mind and give you the kind of data you would only find on this show. Sports are entertainment, and you know that. But they're more than that. They're a shared experience. People want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight, as they say in, uh, you know, Mendota Springs, Water, Minnesota. How's that for a new one? It's going to be lit. This is Straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. All right, well, you know, the new soap opera entitled As the Stomach Turns starring Eric Rogers continued in full force the last few days, and it actually entered sweeps week since NFL minicamps opened and new conversations and new speculation, and each side, well, they seemed to dig in just a little further. Now, I, I can't say I've really taken a side on this one. All I know is that Aaron Rodgers... If he's not behind center this fall for the Green Bay Packers, it will be a major lose-lose for both sides. Trust me on that. See, Rodgers claims the front office really hasn't supported him by replenishing him with the requisite talent to get to the promised land. Meanwhile, they pissed away an important draft choice in 2019 by selecting a player who might help them someday, but sure as hell not today. The front office will defend the fact they are experienced at these things, and we know what we're doing. So let's take a minute to unpack this, for but just for a minute, okay? It turns out, since the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2008, the only skilled position player they drafted in the first round by Green Bay has been his heir apparent, Jordan Love. Included were 11 players on defense and two offensive linemen. So does Rodgers have a point? Okay, but if Rodgers isn't bluffing and he really follows up on his veiled threat to never be back in Green Bay again, which I don't believe, uh, I promise you he'll regret it for the rest of his life. I've seen this before. Vince Ferragamo, Pablo Sandoval, Lance Parrish, I could list a bunch of guys who really didn't return, and they really threatened, and they followed up with their threat, and they regretted it and admitted it later. See, Rodgers needs to learn from their experience. See, you know... Experience is a funny thing. There's an old tale about two cowpokes on the prairie having a conversation, a father and son. The father says, son, when you're a man with experience, 
All you have to do is listen to the land. You can see what's up ahead, what the future holds. And at precisely that moment, over about 60 feet away, the young cowpoke noticed a man lying awkwardly on the ground, his ear pressed to the earth. See, son, his father said, there's a man with experience. Let's go ask him what he sees. Hey, buddy, what's up ahead? Can you tell us? The young cowpoke asked him. Sure, he said. Well, there's a stagecoach due north about a half a mile. Two white horses, a husband and wife with two kids in the back. Oh, yeah, they're uh, carrying a piano also. That's amazing, the son said. How do you know that? Easy, the old man replied. They just ran me over about 10 minutes ago. All right. I digress. While Rogers laments his bosses haven't done enough to improve the team under his watch, there are five teams, I believe, that actually did improve over this offseason. I've been following it. The NFL is always in the news. Now, I realize on the NFL calendar, it's only June. But this is a time to reset a bit with free agency and the draft and the rearview mirror. Look, this is the time we can step back and take stock of all the player movement that's happened over the past couple months. With that in mind, I wanted to take a look quickly at which teams really did help themselves the most for 2021 with their offseason moves. Now, this isn't necessarily a judgment on the shrewdness or value or a predictor of how many wins that will translate to in the fall but rather a look at which teams did the most in the effort department to improve their short-term chances with the additions they made this spring. So here we go. All right. I got to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They get Trevor Lawrence. They get Travis Etienne, Shaquille Griffin, Rayshon Jenkins, Roy Robertson-Harris, Tyson Campbell, Marvin Jones. Some talent there. Now, Basically, putting the Jaguars top five on my list is a bit of a bet on what Trevor Lawrence can do in his first season. See, Jacksonville finished 30th in weighted offensive DVOA last season. And even if Lawrence doesn't light the world on fire immediately, this team is, you know, swapping out 688 combined passing attempts from Gardner Minshew, Mike Lennon, and Jake Luton. Let me repeat that. Gardner Minshew, Mike Lennon, Jake Luton, for what Pro Scots believe is the best quarterback prospect in about a decade. To give this some perspective, back in 2011, when the Colts got Andrew Luck, they were 28th in passing DVOA before Luck got there. Luck improved them to 18th in his rookie year. Now, that's a considerable jump. And I would argue that the Jack supporting cast is better than Andrew Luck's during his first season. You've got a situation where Lawrence and you've got a running back, receiver, Swiss Army knife, Travis Etienne. They're likely going to garner a lot of attention early on. But the Jags' defense is actually where they needed the most help this season because the Jaguars finished 31st in both pass defense, DVOA, and dropback EPA last season. And Urban Meyer, he knows a thing or two about defense. He responded by using a ton of his high-value resources in the secondary. They bring in former Shaq's corner Shaquille Griffin. Gave a $40 million deal. He'll handle one of their outside corner slots. And uh, Georgia cornerback Tyson Campbell, a stud, who ran a 4-4 pro day. And he's 195 pounds. He's physical. So these are two big, fast corners on the outside. The Jags are hoping they're more equipped to really be a, a factor in aggressive man coverage, much better than they were last season. Now, these are... You know, and relatively speaking, these are not huge upgrades for a team like Jacksonville, which is essentially starting over with a new regime. But it's fair to question 
that the value with several of the Jags' high-profile moves this year, including their decision to use a first-round pick on ATN, I guess you can call it into question. But in the short term, the marginal improvements they made across this roster give them a, a chance to compete, all right? And it's a huge potential jump in quarterback. Uh, let's see how it pans out this year. But in the effort department, the effort was certainly there. Now, the Cleveland Browns, uh, I don't think they can be anybody's laughing stock anymore. Again, they bring in several additions notable. Jadavian Clowney, Troy Hill, Malik Jackson, Greg Newsom, Anthony Walker. Uh, they drafted pretty well, too. Now, what does this mean for 2021? Well, they remade their defense, and people might not recognize the defense this fall because they did make a flurry of free agent moves, and Cleveland did spend its first two picks on the dra- in the draft on defensive players, and you got, you know, the the cornerback for Northwestern, Greg Newsom, and a safety who can also play linebacker. He's kind of a hybrid player from Notre Dame. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, stud. It's possible the Browns could have as many as eight different defensive starters in 2021. And for a team that finished 25th in defensive DVOA last year, that's sort of the point. And this is a team that actually got to the playoffs and actually won a playoff game. So you've got a string of moves here on defense that highlight the type of unit. Their new general manager, Andrew Berry, and their new uh, defensive coordinator, Joe Woods, they want to build up that side of the ball. Okay, They also get John Johnson the third. He comes over from the Rams. He was a major component of the Rams' top-rated defense last uh, season. And he's a very sharp guy. He's a cerebral guy who calls defenses. Uh, he, you know, he played for Brandon Staley uh, in uh, – in, in Los Angeles last year, they speak very highly of him. So they also grabbed a cornerback uh, from the Rams, Troy Hill, signed him to a two-year deal. So suffice it to say, they've got flexibility, they've got athletes, they've got experience on defense, they've got a trio of draft choices, low-risk signings, and uh, they already had Miles Garrett. So Cleveland's goal this offseason was to add a layer of talent to the defense and flexibility and efficiency You've got to say they did that. Again, the Cleveland Browns, A for effort. How about the New York Jets? Okay, nowhere to go but up. I get it. They draft Zach Wilson, who I think is a baller. Give him a chance. They're bringing Carl Lawson, LaMarcus Joyner, uh, Elijah Moore. They drafted pretty well. The Jets aren't going to go to the Super Bowl this year, but the bottom line is um, if you are a Jets fan, I know you're out there, you got to give a tip of the cap to GM Joe Douglas because – the moves he made this offseason were amongst teams' favorites that were available in uh, in free agency across the board. And, you know, they, they not only fit, uh, I would say, you know, they've got guys that can stop and step in and play right away and contribute right away. And let's, let's not forget, their new coach is Robert Saleh who came over from San Francisco, and he likes to feature an attacking defensive front. So when you bring in Lawson, he's a perfect right defensive end who will be unleashed as a pass rusher. Davis and Lawson, they were big swings. You know, the Jets swung big and hit in free agency. And, uh, you know, they've added talent. They've filled in talent. So give the Jets a lot of credit. They made some bold moves. Uh, you know, they, they pick up Mekhi Becton. Offensively, they've shored up their line. Obviously, the big bet was, was the decision to take Zach Wilson as the second overall pick in the draft. But even if it takes some time to get going, there's a very significant chance the Jets will be definitely a better offensive team in 2021 than they were under Adam Gase. 
Again, uh, I don't. I'm not one of the Sam Darnold haters, but the numbers in that offense that the Jets put on the field the last couple three years uh, was was not good. It, it, to quote one of my old lines, uh, they couldn't score in a women's prison with a fistful of fifties. I think it could change there this year on the margins. The New England Patriots. Belichick didn't mess around this year. He got he had an out-of-body experience and brought in a bunch of new people. Johnny Smith, Matt Judon, Hunter Henry, another tight end, Nelson Aguilar, Trent Brown, Kyle Van Noy back after a hiatus, Jalen Mills, Kendrick Bourne, and, of course, Mac Jones, who I predict will be starting by week five or six. Nothing against Cam. I just think his shoulder is shot. They've got weapons. They just need somebody to get him the ball. What does it mean? Now that you've got a list of off-season additions and considering the players who opted out last year, uh, New England, I think, is going to compete. I don't know that they catch Buffalo, and I think they've still got to hurdle Miami, but they're far more talented this year to toughen at a, a ton of different spots on the roster, which is the hope when – I bet you didn't know this. Do you know the <laughs> the Patriots spent a league-leading $282 million on free agents – I don't know if if Bill Belichick and company spent that his entire tenure there, but look out! Uh, obviously, they didn't like losing in New England last year, and they're trying to make it short-lived. Number one, a team you've got to watch out for. No joke, the Washington Football Team. Huge Ron Rivera fan. They bring in Ryan Fitzmagic, Curtis Samuel, Charles Leno, Eric Flowers, Bobby McCain. What does this mean? Washington is going to be an excellent test case when a team goes from a basement-level quarterback play to competence at that position because they were strong everywhere else. Great pass rush, great defense, the ability, I think, to you know compete in every game. Clearly, Ron Rivera uh, did an outstanding job last year stepping into an incredibly difficult situation. And I would just say this, that they already went to the playoffs last year they're better this year, and then you don't know what you're going to get out of the New York Giants. You surely don't know what you're going to get out of Philadelphia. Don't call me surely. And can you really trust the Cowboys? I don't know. I don't think so. I would just say this. The Washington football team, I believe, will be back in the playoffs again next year. Give it up to Ron Rivera. Give it up to those teams in the effort they made in the offseason. The operative word here is effort to try to make their teams better. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Coming up, Deshaun Tate, NBA insider. He's going to help us break down these NBA playoffs, which I think are getting more interesting by the minute. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. At this time, let's welcome in a gentleman. You heard him with us before. He's an NBA insider. He's covered the Atlanta Hawks for the last five years. Say hello to Deshaun Tate. Deshaun, how are you tonight, buddy? 
Outstanding. I was going to say uh, uh, good evening to you. I guess good morning for me. Uh, always overly grateful, thankful, and appreciative for uh, a little weekend at Bernie's. You get it? We're, yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel you, brother. That's, that's, a, that's a good one. Rack them. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, Deshaun, and yes, thanks for staying up. Uh, I knew we were going to talk about a lot tonight, but let's start with what happened in the Utah game. I'm understanding that when Donovan Mitchell came down on his right ankle and it's wrapped, my understanding he's going to play Monday, that he talked it over with Quinn Snyder. They were down uh, – the, the Utah Jazz were down by about 13 at the time of the injury. They didn't want to risk it. There were six minutes to go in the game. What are you hearing regarding Utah, Donovan Mitchell? Uh, I'm under the impression, as is, as are they, that he's going to be playing. You yes, know, sir. they yeah. uh, think he's fine. I don't know if he's 100%. I don't think anybody is 100%, if I'm just being honest, that are still – participating in this playoff uh but they said he's going to be playing he's going to be ready he'll be okay and uh that's what the clippers will be prepared for even if they just there was a lot more uncertainty then i think they would be prepared for whatever the case may be almost as if he would be 100 percent and ready to play I think you bring up an excellent point. At this point in the season, as the grind and the gauntlet has begun, nobody's feeling 100%. Uh, let's take a quick roll call with some teams that have really turned heads. The Phoenix Suns, by the way, speaking of not 100%, even Chris Paul with his shoulder, they're down to 5-1. to one. They got a 3-0 lead on Denver. Should they advance past them, how do you like their chances to get past either the Clippers or uh, Utah? I like them, uh, especially if that team particularly is Utah don't like it nearly as much if that team is the Clippers because I think that is the only team that can come remotely close uh, to on paper from a talent standpoint can match up with the team that's going to be representing the East. I think that's going to be the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but with that being said, I feel good about Phoenix chances. I think that they will be that team, but the Clippers had something to say about that tonight, and I think they will for the remainder of the series. That's who I expected them to be playing. Uh, I do too, and I got to give uh, I got to give Ty Lue a lot of credit for the defensive adjustments he made tonight, clogging the lane, making Donovan work for his points, and even work to get the ball. Let's flip, let's flip to the East because the Milwaukee Bucks continue to be the greatest regular season of all time. It doesn't translate. I hate to say things like this, but it is a must-win tomorrow. What is with the Bucks? They pick up Drew Holiday. I thought they improved. Why can't it? Why, why can't it translate for Giannis and company in the offseason? What are they missing, Deshaun? I'll be honest with you. You got to first have those shooters that's going to be knocking down those shots and make sure that they're doing that. And some of it, particularly in this series, is not something that they can help a whole lot, and that's because they are playing uh, the offensive juggernaut that is the Brooklyn Nets. And I don't know nobody that's standing in front of that train and going to be able to stop it, if I'm being honest. And that's something that they needed to do with the pieces that they've acquired over the offseason. Obviously, James Harden, who's also out with an injury, but. Uh, all of that being said, um, they've got to be able to knock down those shots. And I think that it starts with the elephant in the room, not just uh, Giannis making them from the perimeter, but also him knocking down the free space on the bingo card as well called the free right. throw line. So, Very true. Uh, you, you know, I, I don't think it helps them a ton, not that it really probably matters in this particular series, but I don't think it – really helps them a lot. I think they kind of do themselves a disservice a little bit by having a guy like a Brooke Lopez, who's essentially the biggest guy on the floor in most games and cases, uh, but he's always sitting out there on the perimeter and having Bobby Portis in there. I think you just really don't know what you're going to get from that standpoint. So 
Um, if they need it, if they want a chance at this thing, they've got to find a way to force Brooklyn to defend. I think there, if there is one somewhat Achilles heel to an extent for them, is that their defensive uh, abilities or inabilities that lack thereof, and they've got to expose that. I do expect it to maybe be too too tied up in this series, but that's not going to be a lock by any means because of what Brooklyn can put on the floor. Let's take a look. Uh, by the way, we're with uh, Deshaun Tate, NBA insiders, cover the Atlanta Hawks the last five years. Let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I do think oh, they'll finish boy. off Atlanta. Now, assuming Joel Embiid is healthy, which I hope he is, you never know, but let's assume he is, that knee holds up. I think Philly and Brooklyn have a chance to be a real epic Eastern Conference final, and I'm not so sure that Philly could not trip them up. Your thoughts? I think that they can, um, but in that same token, uh, you know, they've got to go out there and perform better than they did in game one, getting down 26 to Atlanta, or we're going to be having a different conversation. They're going to be tougher. They're going to be more physical than the Milwaukee Bucks, which is something else like we were talking about that I don't think that really helps them out a whole lot, but um Philly has, you know, one of those teams as to where I really do believe that they have the experience and the size. That's something that's really not helping Atlanta right now. Uh, probably the X factor being Tobias Harris for this particular team, in which I think he's kind of in some of those conversations, in my opinion, similar to like a Chris Middleton. I think that he is just that good. Uh, but uh, making sure that they have the guys to knock down the shots as well. Seth Curry is obviously a, a huge part of that. Uh, and they look like they're going to be the team to end up advancing uh, past Atlanta. Probably the question is, in how many games? Because Atlanta's missing some pieces, too, DeAndre Hunter being the most notable one. We're wrapping it up with Deshaun Tate, NBA Insiders, covered the Atlanta Hawks the last five years. All right, let's flip all the cards, Deshaun. Who do you see, if we have to look ahead, who do you believe will be in the NBA Finals and who takes home the Lawrence O'Brien crown this year? Yeah, I think that that's Phoenix and, and Brooklyn right now. I don't see anybody stepping in front of Brooklyn. Uh, I don't think that they're unbeatable by any means. I don't think it's anything that crazy. I don't feel as good about them or anybody in the playoffs as much as I did the Lakers last year around this time. Uh, but I think that it is them and that it is the Phoenix Suns. Wouldn't surprise me the least bit to see it be the Clippers uh, and uh, the Brooklyn Nets. But everybody's playing for something, a chip on their shoulder. Everybody's got something to prove. And between a couple of these teams, we talked about the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, the, my, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, and, the, and, and the L.A. Clippers. Those are three teams you know i got to spin it, put a college basketball spin on this thing. They remind <laughs> me so much of Gonzaga. It's absolutely crazy. This is people's last time saying I, they're going to either get to a certain point or I'm not dealing with them, whether it's uh, the, uh, um, uh, trusting processes in Philly, whether it is everything that, you know, Kawhi going to, you know, his hometown and a uh, new sheriff from the, you know, in town and PG-13, all these guys. There's not going to be any more selling points. They've got to find a way to advance. The beautiful part is not everybody's going to have that chance to do so because you're only having two teams play for the whole thing in the end. I just can't wait to find out who it is. And I would be very happy to see Monty Williams uh, for all that's happened to him. What a class act he is in the Phoenix Suns. Get to the promised land. And Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. Good point. Uh, Deshaun, always a pleasure. We'll catch up to you down the road. We appreciate you staying up tonight. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. I'm going to go get me some Denny's. Thanks much. 
There you go. Deshaun Tate, NBA insider, covered the Atlanta Hawks for five years. You remember Deshaun. He was with us, and he's certainly been on the odd couple. Uh, He helped us uh, cover the uh, March Madness tournament uh, three months ago, and uh, we'll have him back on down the road. Straight ahead, rumor has it the college football playoff expansion is upon us. Plus, we give one new NFL scheduling quirk every week. And we've got a few other tidbits for you to hang your hat on. But first, well, let's go to the man. He's already in training to run the Boston Marathon in socks and sandals. It's Brian Finley with the latest. And I'd be huffing and puffing at the two-mile marker. The (laughs) the Clippers break out of a hypnosis and stampede past the Jazz 132-106 as Utah still leads that second-round series two games to one. Donovan Mitchell re-injures his right ankle but says, don't worry, he will play in game four. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard combined for 65 points. And after the game, George underlining the mental approach he and Leonard need to have. We both understand we got to be aggressive from this point on and um, do whatever it takes to win. And so, uh, you know, that's just the mentality we had to come out, um, get this team on the right start um, offensively, and, and again, just be aggressive. Game four takes shape on Monday. To baseball, the Rangers warp the Dodgers 12-1. to Trevor Bauer, four and runs, nine hits, six and one-third innings. The Cubs slice the Cardinals 7-2. to Jock Peterson hits a home run. The Giants and Nationals split a doubleheader. The Twins navigate the Astros 5-2. to Jorge Polanco, three hits and three RBI. The Blue Jays binge with five home runs to calm down the Reds, Red Sox 7-2. A Mariners throwing air in the 10th inning leads to an Indians 5-4 double. The Mets corner the Padres 4-1. Marcus Stroman had a one-hitter into the seventh inning. The Brewers scarfed down the Pirates 7-4 thanks to seven unanswered runs. And finally, inclement weather suspending third-round play at the PGA Tours Palmetto Championship. And Chesson Hadley has the lead. He got through 17 holes. He is at 14 under overall. A four-shot lead over Harris English. And Dustin Johnson is six shots back at eight under overall. And and somewhere just above the cut line is our man from Vegas, Bernie Fratto. Back to you, my friend. The man who adds new dimensions to the term peppy alliteration. Yes, that the man with the, we call the silver tongue devil. See, I tripped over my own tongue trying to keep up with you there, Brian. Oh, stop it. <laughs> hey, Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. All right. I think this is a good news thing. It's in. Uh, it's something that you're going to be hearing a lot more about, especially this coming week, because the College Football Playoff Management Committee is going to meet this week in Chicago for a couple days. And this will mark the first step in what could be what I consider to be a historic change for the postseason of college football going from four teams to 12 teams. Now, next week, I'm going to go into great lengths as to what led to this. I'm going to give you some depth. I'm even going to share with you what the college football playoff would have looked like had they done it this year. And teams like Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina and Texas A&M and Indiana, they would have actually been in the playoff this year. I'll tell you who they would have played. And by the way, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Clemson, they would have all gotten buys. Uh, So 
I really don't have enough time tonight to go into it deep, but next week I really am, and we probably have some news for you. Hey, I, I think this is big, okay? Like it or hate it. First of all, if you like watching playoff games on TV, uh, we used to have three. We used to have one. And we used to have none, really. There was a time when they would just get together and vote all the writers and the UP uh, or the AP and UPI and uh, I don't know uh, the YMCA and uh, Woody Allen. They'd all get together and 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 have a few Jaeger bombs and and uh, you know maybe you know uh, smoke the the green stuff and uh, they would just vote. Right? Never made a lot of sense. We've come a long way from there. So now you'd have a situation where you'd be able to watch 11. TV would be broadcasting 11 playoff games instead of three. What's the significance? Can't you see where they're going with this? Look, the COVID situation in the last year brought people to their knees, not the least of which are many athletic departments, many college football programs. What did Stanford have to cut? Nine secondary sports? No one likes that. What this will do is begin to replenish and restore some of the revenue lost during the COVID uh, situation. And I think it's a good thing. You're going to create opportunities for other universities. I know there's always going to be people that want to come on and be the sanctimonious voice of reason, and this is an affront to their sensibilities. They call it a participation tournament, a trophy tournament. No, it's not that at all. You can't tell me if you play college football, you don't want a shot. And I get it. You know, people make fun of it. Well, you really want to see – you know, uh, Harvey Thor School of Trucking uh, have to play Alabama and lose 64 to nothing. Well, Alabama already, already thumps everybody anyway. Let's see what happens. This is coming from a guy on September 1st, 2007, who covered the game when Appalachian State beat Michigan. Appalachian State was a 40-point underdog that day. I just think this is good. It's more football. It's more college football. It's more opportunity. It's more revenue. It's more games on TV, more betting handle for us in Las Vegas. What the hell is not to like? Let's see what they come up with. I'm going to go into this deep next week. I'm going to tell you a lot more as to what led to this and what you can maybe expect. All right. As I mentioned, uh, three or four weeks ago, we were, at that point, we were about 15 weeks away from the first week uh, in the NFL. And I said what I would do every week is give at least one scheduling, maybe quirk's not the right word, but certainly uh, we'll, we'll use it because that's all I got. So here we go. The Steelers, you Steeler fans, they have the toughest strength to schedule based on their opponent's winning percentage from 2020, 574, that's big. And that's what they'll be facing in this upcoming 17-game schedule this year. The team with the toughest strength of schedule has missed the playoffs in each of the last four seasons. Last year, it was the Patriots. They had the toughest strength of schedule. They finished 7-9. and nine. In 2019, it was the Raiders. They finished 7-9. and nine. In 2018, it was the Packers who finished 6-9-1. and one. And in 2017, it was the Broncos who finished 5-11. and 11. Maybe the Steelers can break that mold. The one thing you don't have to worry about is the Steelers going seven and nine because you got to play 17 games. So you can't go seven and nine. You know, it wouldn't surprise me, by the way, if Mike, you know, Tomlin does break the mold. He typically comes back after a rough year with a good year. And look, up until four weeks ago, Pittsburgh's defensive metrics were very good. Ben got hurt, they weren't the same. And uh, they lost in the playoffs. Actually, they did go to the playoffs. By the way, speaking of the NFL, uh, when 
Tennessee signed Julio Jones last week, boy, did the betting markets react in a way that uh, really surprised me. Uh, before Julio Jones, their odds to go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, check that, 35-1. to 1. After the Julio Jones signing, they're 30-1. to 1. To win the AFC Championship before Julio Jones, they were 18 to one. Now they're 15 to one. They're over. They're over under total on season wins nine and a half. Okay, that stayed the same. However, before Julio Jones, you would put up a hundred dollars to win 140. Ton of money came in on the over. Now you have to put up 130 to win 100. By the way, they're basically even money to win the AFC South, and just one for fun. Week one, they play Arizona. Tennessee is currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The total was 51. Again, that was before Julio Jones. Now, after Julio Jones, 51-and-a-half. People are steaming the over. Why? Well, look, Julio Jones potentially makes the Titans' offense a top three in the NFL. They potentially are a nightmare for opposing defensive coordinators because if you try to play two high safeties – Derrick Henry, well, he's got room to roam big time in the second level. He'll be looking at people in the backfield, put a safety near the box, and that opens up the door for Julio Jones or A.J. Brown, another stud, to take the top off the defense or at least get open, win the battles in air. These guys are big physical receivers with great hands that have a tendency to win the one-on-one battles. Mike Vrabel's a very smart guy. He's a Bill Belichick disciple. Let's face it. Uh, Tennessee's on the short list, and they are going to have a very good offense, and I think Ryan Tannehill's got a lot to work with. By the way, not for nothing, if you have been betting the NBA playoffs, and we're going to talk about this with Mackinac Sports coming up, after today, a tidy 40-21 and 21 if you've bet the favorites. That's 65%, and you've got two road favorites in the next couple of days. Phoenix has become a darling. They were 38-1 to 1 to win the whole thing. April 1st, 22 to 1 at the start of the playoffs. Now that they have a 3 0 series lead against Denver, they are 5 to 1. Jazz, 3 to 1. The Nets, plus 125. And how about those Philadelphia Sixers? You can still get them at 8 to 1. The Bucks, 11 to 1. The Clippers, 16 to 1. The playoffs in the NBA this year have really gotten my attention. And in the first round, not for nothing, the ratings have been very high. A couple of good games tomorrow and Monday as well to what our whistle so what better time coming up you know him you love him you can't live without him Mackinac sports with Mackenzie rivers he joins got a best bet and it's got some stuff to talk about to stretch your brain i'm bernie fratto coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio studios this is the pregame show you always wanted so don't go away you're listening to straight out of vegas straight out of vegas one of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further tonight, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. That would be Brian, the Silver Tongue Devil Finley, Bo Benson, and of course, Chris Perfett. Can't thank my team enough. They do a great job. And I want our uh, 32 million listeners in 17 countries and 24 languages to know, not just during the show, guys, during the week, we're communicating, setting things up, and they're always there. 
Great job, guys. And by the way, uh, before we get to Mackinac Sports real quickly, my book is now for sale, The View from the Cheap Seats. You currently can go to my Twitter feed, at Bernie Fratto, and on the pin, uh, the pin tweet, there's a link that takes you right to the publisher's website. You can buy it. You can download it to your Nook, your Kindle, whatever you like. And on July 5th, it'll be in wide distribution on Amazon, Amazon Kindle, Barnes & Noble, Nook, Versa, Bookshop, Apple Books. Too many to mention. We'll be talking about it later. If you like great, obscure sports stories that you've never heard, that you never forget, grab a copy of my book, The View from the Cheap Seats. Just go to my Twitter feed. And click on the link on the pinned uh, uh, tweet. All right, like I said, you know him, you love him, can't live without him. Mackinac Sports, Mackenzie Rivers. By the way, Mackenzie, before we get to some playoff stuff and the Nets tomorrow, I don't even know why they have to uh, finish the playoffs. Right now the Nets are plus 125, which gives them a 55% chance of winning it. Is Donovan Mitchell the greatest Utah Jazz player in history? Very specifically, no, to your question. He is not the greatest athlete in the jazz history. But more to the point, more pertinent to what Stephen A. Smith said, that perfect controversial statement that has the media world ablaze is, is he the best player in jazz history? And to me, it's unequivocally yes. If... I'm the 1998 Jazz, and I uh, have Game 6 back, and I have one decision to make. Do I want 1998 Carl Malone, or do I want 21 Donovan Mitchell? Well, I know what happened with 98 Carl Malone. He wasn't the man for the moment. And why do we play the games, Herm Edwards said, to win the games? If I'm trying to win that game, and I'm Jerry Sloan, 98, I'm taking Donovan Mitchell, trying to get a three, trying to get a couple threes, maybe five threes he can knock down in the game, before I'm taking Carl Malone. He is a better player right now than Carl Malone was 20 years ago. He hasn't, he doesn't have the accomplishments, obviously. We don't have to get into well, this he does many actually. games. He, I mean, he does, though. I mean, when you consider his short time in the league, true. and they start out 6-0 and in the playoffs this year, McKenzie, he averages 33 points a game. The problem with those great Utah Jazz teams, and I saw Malone, Stockton, and company, and they were coached by Jerry Sloan. They kept running into Jordan. They kept running into Magic. They kept running into – I mean, the, the NBA was tougher than – I don't care what anybody says. They just had so many more gauntlet teams to run through. But anyway, to your point, I, I didn't mean to jump in. I just wanted to point out that the Jazz had a really tough road back then. No doubt about it, but I also think you can make your free throws at the end of the game. I also think you can not turn the ball over. I think the NBA Finals is the gauntlet test, the litmus test of how great you are, how good you are as a basketball player. I think we saw how good Carl Malone is. We don't know how good Donovan Mitchell's going to be on that biggest stage. He's a very young man at 24. He's going to have another 15 years in the league, God willing. But I think when he gets to that moment, when he gets to the precipice, my money is that he's a greater player than Carl Malone or anybody that's laced him up in New Orleans or, of course, in Utah for the Jazz organization. That's my opinion. All right, I, fair I agree enough. with Stephen A. That's my Okay, fair, fair enough. Before we get to the Nets, I would just say that as a prolific offensive player, uh, and it's a different game now because of the three-point aspect, uh, I would just say this. You have to give it up to Malone's longevity and Stockton's longevity. They both played in the league about 17 years. But be that as it may, this is why I don't like to do this because it's like arguing about your favorite, favorite? noodle and a plate of, yeah. a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> However, man, I, I love Donovan. I love Donovan Mitchell, and he might be. Continue on, McKenzie, because you've got a best bet, and you want to talk about the Nets tomorrow. 
Yeah, I think we just have to marvel at this Nets organization. They, they've they done it on defense because the Nets have had great offensive performances two of the first three games. They've had great defensive performances three of the first three games. Game three on Friday went under the total by 65 points. We've never, <laughs> ever seen that. I mean, expecting 234, getting about a buck 70. Never seen that in playoff history. I think, and actually, if you look, when games go under by more than 35 points, the next game goes under more than 65% of the time, over 100 times in playoff history. I think we see it again, but the market, savvy as it is with all the algorithm and everything, it's downgraded the total six points. So it sees the adjustment coming. I think there's a different way to get at it. I think my best bet is Giannis under 52.5 points, rebounds, and assists. He's done this zero times in his last 13 games, zero times in his last 13 playoff games. The market says, well, Charles Barkley's putting all the pressure on you, Giannis. You have to do it. I don't think he does it any more than he does it. He, he goes 100% every single game, Bernie. So his average is about 49. I think that's what we can expect. The mark is expecting a super Herculean effort. I don't see it. I'm going to go Giannis under points, rebounds, and assists. That's my best bet. I think it's an outstanding best bet, not the least of which Giannis can't make free throws. He just can't seem to do it on the big stage. Good stuff as always, McKenzie. Really appreciate it. All right, thank that's going to do it. Uh, for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas, I want to thank Deshaun Tate, our NBA insider, for joining us tonight. We'll catch him again uh, down the road. And uh, I'll be on tomorrow night with Catino Mobley, 5 to 8 p.m. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville who brings it strong. It's Jason Martin. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! <laughs> 